Good morning, everyone. Um, I forgot to introduce myself a second ago. My name is Norton. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at the church. If you happen to be new um, or visiting with us this morning, um, it's good to uh, see you, and we're glad you're here on this um, snowy morning. Uh, we're going to kick off a new series today, um, and uh, it's about the season of Lent, because Lent begins, as Dan mentioned earlier, Lent begins this Wednesday, um, which is called Ash Wednesday, uh, February the 26th, and it goes all the way up until Easter, which is April the 12th this year. So Lent goes through um, April uh, the 11th. Now, where I grew up, the only people that did Lent were Catholics. I don't know about you, but that, that was just my observation. And uh, I grew up going to church, but the church I grew up going to, we never talked about Lent or anything like that. So I didn't really know much about it. It was a foreign concept to me. And the little bit that I did know from the outside, it just seemed sort of odd or weird, or legalistic. Um, but a number of years ago, I started learning more about what Lent is all about. And we began, even as a church, um, practicing and engaging Lent. And now I have a very different perspective. Um, and so I want to share that perspective with you today. And specifically, I want to tell you why I think Lent is such a rich tradition for us to embrace, and then how we might actually embrace it as a church um, together this year. Now, um, here's what I ask of you today. All I want to ask for you is to have an open mind, right? So maybe you're here today and you don't know anything about Lent at all, and so it's totally new. So I'd ask for you to have an open mind and learn about something new. Um, maybe you're here today and you're kind of like me. You grew up in a tradition where you heard about Lent, but it seemed like it was something somebody else did. And just from the outside, like I said, it seems a little odd or weird, um, or maybe it just seems dark, right? People do things during Lent that seem dark or negative. And um, maybe would you just set aside any prejudgments you have and uh, have an open mind and say, maybe I can learn something new. Maybe there is something beneficial about this season. Or maybe you've actually engaged Lent a lot before. Maybe you've always grown up doing this, or maybe when you first started coming to New Denver, you started engaging this season of Lent. And the temptation for you is to think, well, I already know about Lent. You don't need to really tell me anything today. I can just catch up on some sleep for the next 30 minutes, right? Um, and I would just ask you to have an open mind as well, because maybe God wants to teach you something new this year. Maybe he wants to, you to have a new experience um, this year too. So with all that said, uh, let's jump in. And I want to ask you a question that um, is seemingly unrelated to Lent. Um, how many of you at some point in your life have participated in a long distance race, like a marathon, half marathon, 10K, 5K? As I went down, the hands went up more and more, right? So um, my first race and my last race... <laughs> Uh, took place in Austin, Texas, a number of years ago after college. Um, when I moved there, I became friends with a bunch of people, and they were all runners or triathletes. And uh, so they were always biking, and they were always running. And so I started running as well, because you just take up the hobbies that your friends uh, tend to have. And so um, every night when I came home from work, I would go out jogging, um, partly to stay in shape and partly because, again, that's just what everybody else was doing. I didn't really enjoy it at all, uh, but I did it. And then one of my friends suggested that we should all run the Austin Marathon together. Um, and so uh, that's me right there in the front leading the pack. Um, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> 
But I said, okay, I'll give it a try. I don't want to do a whole marathon. That's 26.2 miles, if you guys know. Uh, but I'll do the half marathon. Some of us did the half marathon, which is 13.1 miles. And it was long. Uh, it was hard. It was really fun and exciting at times, especially in the beginning of the race. And uh, it was boring and grueling at times. There were moments where I thought, this is going to be the first of many races that I'll do. Like, I'll travel around the country and do all the cool marathons. And by the end of the race, I was like, this is the last time I'm ever doing anything like this again. But uh, I finished. I completed the race. I did it in um, an hour and 49 minutes, which was a little bit better than the goal I had sort of set for myself. But here's what I learned. And I'm guessing you guys have learned some of these things as well. In fact, I learned a few things during this race. And I think it's something that all of us who've done any kind of event or, or thing like this have learned. Uh, the first thing I learned is training is necessary. Training is necessary. It just is, right? You can't run a long race without getting in shape, without getting uh, your legs and your feet and your lungs and your heart and just your whole body prepared to run this kind of race. In fact, the longer the race is, the more training you need. So when I ran this um, half marathon, and some of you have done this, um, I got a training plan. Um, and it was sort of like this training plan. It wasn't exactly the same, but it was uh, similar to this. And so you train for 10 weeks uh, to run this race. And every week you run these shorter runs throughout the middle of the week, right? And then on Saturday, you always run a longer run. And over the course of the 10 weeks, you increase that longer run every single week so that your body gets more and more ready and prepared to be able to run those 13 miles. But the short runs in the middle of the week are just as important to your training. And the rest days are just as important to your training. The rest days and the short run and the long run, they all work together to train your body to be able to run this kind of race. Now, here's the second thing I learned. I learned that running partners are invaluable. I, I don't know about you, but I do not like to run by myself. And I learned that when I'm, I was training, that if I ever trained by myself, if I ever, ever was running by myself, or if I did especially one of those long runs by myself, it was so much easier um, to just cut it off a little earlier than I should, right? Or it was so much easier to take it um, a little bit easy. If, if, if I knew that no one was going to meet me there, it was sometimes hard to get up and get going. But if I had a training partner, if I had a running partner or a group of people that I knew were going to meet me there and we were going to run together and we would be able to talk and encourage one another and cheer each other on as we're doing it, it was just going to, it made such a difference to have people running with me. So having a running partner or partners is invaluable. But then the last thing I learned is that the cliche really is true it's a marathon, not a sprint, which means it's about endurance, right? It's about perseverance. You're in it for the long haul. You want to cross the finish line well, which means you have to pace yourself along the way, and that can actually be really difficult. Um, when I uh, first started training for this um, half marathon, my goal was to run in um, just under either at nine minutes a mile or just under nine minutes a mile. That was just my goal. Um, that's not that great. I've never run that much, and so I'd done some sports. So that was a challenge for me. So I just sort of said, this is my goal. I want to run about nine or just under nine minutes 
a mile. And um, when you run a race today, um, almost all of us have smart watches, right? And so it's really easy to check your pace and check exactly how fast you're running and your heartbeat and, and monitor everything as you're running. But back when I did this um, many years ago, um, I didn't have one of those. And so the way I just sort of monitored my pace was, if you know this, whenever you run a race, at every mile marker, there's someone there usually calling out all of the pace times. And so I get to the very first mile marker of this race. And again, remember my goal is to run like about nine minutes a mile, maybe a little bit less. And I get to the first mile marker and the lady yells out, 7.15, which freaked me out because I had already intentionally been trying to slow down because everybody had told me, like when you start running the race, your adrenaline is so hyped up and there's so many people there and it's just easy to go with the crowds, that everything in you is going to run faster than you plan to be or that you want to be, and you can never maintain that kind of pace over the course of the whole race. So you have to pace yourself, and you have to keep reminding yourself over and over and over, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I share all that because I think the journey of life And the journey of faith is the same way. In fact, they're like running a marathon as well. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of people who are following Jesus. This is from 1 Corinthians. He said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. So Paul's writing this to a group of people in Corinth. Paul's a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and uh, they're Christians as well. And yet they have all these problems in their lives and all these problems in their church And so in the middle of this letter that he writes to his friends there, he basically compares the journey of faith to a race. And he's probably comparing it to the Olympic races. Olympia was only about 100 miles from Corinth. So he's probably comparing the race of faith to the same kind of races that people were running at Olympia. And so Paul says, in an Olympic race, basically everybody runs, but one person wins. One person gets the prize. And in the Olympics back then, the prize wasn't a gold medal. It was actually a crown. It was a crown of olive branches. This is a carving of Lady Victory giving a laurel wreath or a crown to the winner of a race. And Paul is saying, look, that kind of crown for winning that kind of race is nice and all, but we're running a race that is so much more important. And we have to run in the same way Olympic runners do. We have to train hard, and we have to run in such a way that we're trying to win the race. And I love the last phrase of Paul's, if we can put it back up there. He says, I basically don't want to be someone who's running aimlessly. And sure enough, when Paul got to the end of his life, he wrote a different letter to another friend named Timothy, and he said this, I have fought the good fight. And I finished the race, and I've kept the faith. In other words, it's a marathon, and it's hard, but I didn't give up, and I've stayed the course, 
and I persevered. And now, near the end of his life, he's able to say, I'm finishing the race well. And I think this is a good reminder to you and to me that we're running a race in our lives. And the race is like a marathon, right? And we need to be reminded of that regularly because we often forget. And sometimes we run too fast. Sometimes we run aimlessly without purpose or direction. We're just running. We don't even know what we're running towards. Sometimes we get tired of running. Sometimes we get worn out. Sometimes we're thirsty. Sometimes we're ready to give up. And the easiest thing to do is just to quit. Sometimes we get blisters, right? Sometimes we get lost. Sometimes we're totally off course and we don't even know it. And that's why I think the season of Lent is so important in the race that we're running Because Lent is an opportunity to get back on track, to get back on course. Lent is an opportunity to just pause and think about, reflect on the race that we're actually running. Lent is a a season to reflect on where we are and where we're going and what's keeping us from running this race of life and this race of faith really well. So let me unpack for a second how I think Lent, this season of 40 days, can actually work in this way. And let me give you a couple of statements here. Um, Here's the first. Number one, um, Lent is a rehearsal of the race that Jesus ran. So if you're unfamiliar with Lent, it's always been this 40-day season um, for hundreds of years where followers of Jesus uh, reflect on and look at the race that Jesus ran, the life of Jesus himself. Oftentimes through Lent, we'll read through some gospel stories, one of the four accounts of Jesus' life. And Lent always culminates in Holy Week. This is the week and the time where we remember when Jesus took his last trip to Jerusalem. And there he was arrested, and he was tried, and he was crucified. And so Lent leads up to Good Friday. And then, of course, on Easter Sunday, we remember Jesus' resurrection. We celebrate Easter, and that's actually the beginning of a new season. So Lent is simply a rehearsal of the race that Jesus ran. Now, this word rehearsal is important. If you were to look it up in the dictionary, the first definition of the word rehearsal in the dictionary is to recite something or to recount something, to retell a story, to remember something that happened. The prefix re means again, and then hearse is an old French word for digging something up or excavating something, plowing something up to revisit something. So during Lent, we recount Jesus' life. We retell his story. We remember who he was, what he did, and the kind of race that he ran And so over the next six weeks, that's what we're going to do here at New Denver. We're going to look at Jesus' life. We're going to read stories about him. We're going to look at some of the decisions that he made. And we're even going to look at some of the things that Jesus let go of in order to run the race really well, to win the prize, not just for himself, but for all of us. So Lent is a rehearsal of the race that Jesus ran. But here's the second thing. 
Lent is a rehearsal of the race that we run. You see, the word rehearsal is interesting because in the very first way it's used, it always looks back at something, but in this second way it's used, it looks forward to the future. And this is the most common usage of the word rehearsal today. Rehearsal, often when we use it, means to practice or to prepare for something. If you're playing a part in a musical or a play, right, you always have rehearsals before the main performance. If you go to a concert at Red Rocks, you trust that that band has rehearsed those songs over and over and over so that when you see them live, it's really good. Have you ever taken part in a wedding? There's usually the rehearsal on Friday night before the wedding on Saturday. And at the rehearsal, you make sure everyone knows where to stand, who knows when to speak, and everyone knows what to do so that when the actual event happens, Everyone knows what role they should play. And so in that sense, Lent is this very intentional season. It's like a dress rehearsal where we do some things that better prepare us for the race that we're running in life. In fact, I think this is probably the best way to describe it. Lent is our race training. It's a season of intentional training so that we can run the race well. It's like a built-in calendar, a built-in training schedule with training runs and rest days and all sorts of things in between that prepare you for the big race. Because training is necessary, right? And, And running partners are invaluable. So we do Lent as a community of faith, not just on our own. And we're always reminding ourselves that we're running a marathon, not a sprint. And if we want to run that marathon well, if we want to run it with purpose, if we want to run it in such a way that it's not aimless, if we want to be prepared for the blisters and for the sharp turns, if we want to be prepared for those moments in life where we feel lost or when we just want to give up or when we're really, really tired, if we want to run a marathon, we need to train for it. And the season of Lent is maybe the best training we can do all year long. Listen to what something the writer of Hebrews wrote. writer of Hebrews wrote, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I want to pause there for a second, because um, the writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of followers of Jesus who were Jewish. That's why this this book is called Hebrews. They were Jewish in nature, and they themselves were going through a really difficult time in their faith and in their life, and they were facing all of these challenges. So part of this letter is written, and we don't actually know who wrote it. It could be a he, it could be a she, we're not sure. But part of the letter is written to say, keep going. Don't give up. Keep persevering in your faith. And I know it's hard. It's always been hard for people who are running this race. And in the letter, the writer actually begins to say, hey, don't forget about Abraham. Remember the race and the life of faith that he ran? It was hard, but he persevered. And don't forget about Joseph. Remember his faith? And don't forget about Moses. And what about Rahab? Remember her faith? And in light of all of that, Then the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and it's almost like all of these witnesses are now on the racetrack. They're on the the sidelines. They're on the, the road, and they're cheering us on. And since we're surrounded by all of them, the writer goes on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles 
And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is a powerful passage, and there's a lot of things involved, but here's the bottom line. We're running a race, and the race calls for endurance, and if we want to run it well, there's a couple of things that we need to do. If we want to run it and not grow weary, not lose heart and persevere, the first thing we need to do is is fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the ultimate model. He's the ultimate example The writer says he's the pioneer of our faith. Pioneer just means he went first. He ran the race first. He's the model for us for how to run this race. But he's also the perfecter of our faith. We don't use that word very often, but that just means he's the one who sustains our faith and completes our faith and gives us our faith and ultimately perfects our faith. So we keep looking to him and we keep fixing our eyes on him. And that's what we do in Lent, right? We reflect on Him. We deeply consider. We bring all our questions about who is Jesus? And what was He like? And how did He live this life? And what does that mean for us? And that's what we're going to do during Lent. But the writer of Hebrews says something else. And it's actually the first thing the writer says is we need to also throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles. In other words, it's like we're running and there's things that could trip us up. There's vines that can get wrapped around our feet as we're running. And the writer says that's like sin. Sin can easily trip. There's, there's habits and there's bad stuff that we, bad choices that we make, and that can easily trip us up in the race. But it's not just sin. There's other stuff that's not necessarily sinful. And, and, and the words are literally, we need to let go of Or throw off any weights or burdens that are keeping us from running this race well. It's almost like the picture of somebody who's wearing a really heavy jacket and they're trying to run a race. You need to throw that. It's a weight or it's a burden. It's distracting you and keeping you from being able to run. And it's maybe even keeping you from being able to fix your eyes on Jesus. And so this is part of our Lent training as well. That's why for hundreds of years, followers of Jesus during Lent have identified something in their lives that they need to let go of or give up during these 40 days of Lent. Sometimes it's a sinful habit, something that is clear that they need to let go of. But sometimes it's just something else that might be hindering us. And the idea is really simple during Lent. What's something that's become a burden in my life? What's something that's maybe become a distraction? What is something that's maybe a distraction and I'm not even aware that it's a distraction? What's something that has started to exert a lot of influence over my life? Maybe a lot of influence over my heart or even my time? More influence than I'm willing to admit. What's something that if I let go of it for the next 40 days, it might just create some space 
and some freedom. Free me up to give more attention to the race I'm running and to what Jesus would have to teach me and show me during this season. So I want to give you some practical suggestions for things you might give up, or I like the term let go of during Lent. Uh, Food is always a great place to start um, because we eat so often during our lives. We eat so often during every single day, and we often eat unhealthy food, or maybe we eat too much food, or, or, or maybe there's some sort of food or drink that we can think through where we could be more intentional about the race we're running. And so what if you just gave up your favorite food or your favorite drink for the next 40 days? What if you gave up sugar for the next 40 days? No, 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 no. <laughs> Bad idea. Um, what if you gave up processed food for the next 40 days? What if you just ate fresh food for the next 40 days? I mean, think about it. An Olympic athlete would do that. If they were training, right? Wouldn't they know that that was good for their hearts and their bodies? So if an Olympic athlete would do that, why wouldn't we? Here's some other options. What if you ate your meals more slowly for the next 40 days? I don't even know how to quantify that, but how would you do that? What if you didn't eat out for the next 40 days? You cooked all of your own meals. What if you decided to just eat beans and rice and tortillas like our friends in Guatemala do? for every meal, or maybe just for one meal every day for the next 40 days? What if you didn't eat any meals alone for the next 40 days? What if you didn't eat any meals with your phone in reach for the next 40 days? Do you see how doing some of those things might train your attention and your perspective in some healthy ways? Speaking of our phones, that's a place where many of us could probably let go of a distraction. What if you gave up social media for the next 40 days? What if you gave up that one game or those games on your phone that you always tend to go to whenever you're bored? What if you just gave those up for the next 40 days? What if you just gave up your phone for certain hours of the day? You literally turned it off or you put it on do not disturb and put it in another room for certain times every day. What if you didn't look at your phone for the first hour every morning and for the last hour every evening? What if you gave up mindless surfing on your phone or even on your computer or on your laptop? What if you gave up Pinterest or Reddit or YouTube or whatever your go-to website is, right? What if you gave up the news or anything associated with politics? For the, wouldn't that be so freeing? There would be all sorts of anxiety you would let go of as well, right? All of these would be hard at first, but all of these practices would actually lighten your load. See, Lent is not about placing something heavy on you. It's actually about taking something off of you. It's about freeing you up and lightening your load so you can give more space and more time and more attention to things that are so much more important. One more suggestion. What about entertainment, forms of entertainment? What if you let go of TV for 40 days? If you let go of Netflix or Hulu or movies for 40 days? What if you gave up podcasts for 40 days? 
And just so you know, none of these things are wrong or evil or bad, right? Podcasts are awesome, right? Maybe you're in the habit of listening to podcasts every single time you get in your car and you have a little bit of a drive to get to work, uh, to and work, um, from work every day. And so what if for the next 40 days, instead of listening to podcasts in your car, you just reflected on where you're going instead and what kind of person you want to be when you get there? And you see how sometimes these good things in life can become distractions. And Lent is like showing up at practice and simply saying, hey, for 40 days, I'm just going to remove this thing that could be a distraction in my life, and it's going to allow me to focus more intently on the race I'm running. So there are lots of options. You can go on our website, and we'll put some more options on there at newdenver.org slash Lent. But here's the challenge for all of us. Would you pick one of them? Would you just decide on something over the next two days, something that you're going to let go of during Lent? And then would you join us on Wednesday night for our Ash Wednesday service at 7 p.m.? And I know it's not easy for everyone to make space or time to be able to come to a service on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week. And maybe you're thinking, well, I've been to one of those Ash Wednesday services, and it's kind of the same every year right? Yeah, it is. That's the way practice is, right? That's the way training works. It's kind of the same over and over and over, but it works on you, and that's why you do it. And so the first practice of the season happens Wednesday night at seven o'clock. Would you be willing to join us for that? For this season of Lent, a season where we can pause and reflect A season where we can focus on Jesus, who He is and what He means. And a season where we can run the race that's then marked out before us with perseverance. Let me pray for us. God, we thank You for um, followers of Jesus who so many centuries ago Um, developed this tradition and this practice of being more intentional at this time of year Um, as we head into uh, that time of remembering Good Friday and Easter and all that Jesus did for us. I pray that you would help all of us in this community of faith to be intentional. Um, God, give us the courage uh, to give something up or let go of something that might be hard to let go of, but that you that you want us to open up our hands and trust you with. God, and we pray that in the practice and in the training and in the intentionality, you will meet us there. Maybe in ways that we're not even aware of or expecting, but that you'll meet us there. We ultimately want to make you the foundation and the center of our lives, and so God, help us to do that during this season. We pray this in your name. Amen.